Hello and welcome to the podcast of Tech EU. I am your host, Andrew Degler. In today's show, we have got some funding deals, some IPO tidbits, ecosystem data, and so much more. We've got a great show prepared for you today. Later on in the second half of the episode, I will play you an interview with Nicolas Julia, the CEO and co-founder of Sorare, which is a fantasy football platform that's recently raised 40 million euros in funding. But before we dive in, a quick shout out to our sponsor of this episode. To thrive, stay relevant, and grow in an increasingly uncertain certain world, organizations have to be able to innovate quickly. If you are a European corporate looking to engage with some of the most disruptive startups and advance your innovation strategy, do take a look at the Disrupt Me program by the EIT Hub Israel. Disrupt Me is a tailor-made service of technology scouting that's offered to European corporates, from AI, deep learning, cybersecurity and automation, all the way to 3D printing and sensor robotics and IoT. Your innovation scouting needs are covered by Disrupt Me. Find out more and apply today at EIT Health me. I will leave a link in the show notes. Check this one out. And now let us take a glimpse at this week's news stories. London-based mobile payments company SumUp has raised 750 million euros. In case you don't know SumUp, the company, it provides all sorts of services to allow businesses to accept card payments. You may have seen those small SumUp card readers in stores. My hairdresser has one, for example. That's one of the things that the company is doing. So recently, SumUp also acquired two companies in Europe, Goodteal and Tiller, and through that it's entered the field of Horeca, and now it has an entirely new vertical to serve from cafes and restaurants to sporting and concert arenas. With the fresh capital, SumUp is looking to expand its headcount, and currently it's already employing over 2,000 people across 19 offices across three continents. And in addition to Europe, the US, and Brazil, where it's operating right now, SumUp is also looking at Asia as part of its long-term strategy. Next up, Bitpanda, an online brokering platform for trading digital assets and precious metals, has become the first unicorn in Austria. The company has just raised 170 million US dollars at a valuation of 1.2 billion US dollars, and it's got the vision and ambition to ride the wave of the popularity of digital assets. If you want to learn more about this one, and I would say you certainly should, go and listen to our interview special episode that we ran earlier this week in there. Robin Wouters interviewed Bitpanda CEO Eric DeMuth. I will leave a link in the show notes. Do check it out after you're done with this one. E-scooter startup Bird from the US has announced that it's investing 150 million US dollars into a European expansion plan. TechCrunch reports that the plan includes launching in more than 50 new European cities, doubling the startup's footprint on the continent. Bird has already started working on this plan by launching in the cities of Bergen, Norway, Tarragona, Spain, and Palermo, Italy. In addition to that, Bird says that it will also be increasing its scooter fleet in the existing cities across Europe. Norwegian video meeting startup Whereby, what's formerly known as Appear.in, has landed 12 million US dollars in funding from Point9 and a group of over 20 angel investors. As our news editor Dan Taylor put it, I quote, Whereby goes the extra mile and allows users to embed Google Docs, Trello, and Miro directly into their meetings, ultimately saving a lot of alt-tabbing and bringing us as close to that in the same room feeling as you can get, without having to fiddle with the heating or opening a window, the quote ends. Yeah. <laughs> 
Next up, Northvolt, a Swedish battery manufacturer, has received a $14 billion order from Volkswagen Group. The order spans over the next 10 years and Northvolt will need to expand its gigafactory in Sweden to fulfill it. But that's not the end of it. At the same time, Volkswagen is also scaling up its own battery production, and to that end, it will buy Northvolt's share in their joint venture Northvolt 2 in Salzgitter in Germany. And in addition to that, and it's a really complicated thing, it seems, so also Volkswagen will increase its own share in Northvolt itself, though we don't really know what its stake is or will be after this deal. Now, a quick tidbit from the IPO land, uh, Deliveroo has officially announced that it is seeking to raise £1 billion during its upcoming listing on the London Stock Exchange. The IPO date has not been set yet, but it's certainly going to be very, very soon. And while we're on the UK, let's uh, have another story uh, from that uh, side of uh, Europe. The government-funded lobby group Tech Nation has released a fresh report about the country's startup ecosystem in 2020. According to the data, UK tech startups raised 15 billion US dollars, putting the country on the third place in the world after the US and China. So UK startups raised 200 million dollars more than the year before, and their total valuation reached 585 billion US dollars. That's far ahead from the second most valuable European ecosystem, that's Germany, which is estimated by the same report at half of this number, that would be at 291 billion US dollars. And let's stay in the UK for one more piece of news, that's going to be the last one, I promise. After the recent landmark court decision that prescribed Uber to give worker rights to a group of its drivers, the company is now granting the worker status to all 70,000 of its drivers in the UK. In practice, this change means that Uber will have to pay its drivers minimum wage and holiday pay, and also the drivers will get a pension. This is the first time ever that Uber had to do something like this, but most probably not the last, and I'm sure that the EU will get inspired by this outcome and end up proposing similar measures a block-wide. It's already working on something like this, we all know that. It's hard to predict, however, how it will change the business model of Uber, but I won't be much surprised if the rides will get more expensive soon. Okay, enough of the UK news for now, let's have a look at France, where the Data Protection Authority has opened a privacy investigation against Clubhouse. The regulator has sent questions to Clubhouse's parent company, Alpha Exploration, to assess whether the app was compliant with the GDPR. The regulator said that it had received a complaint about the app and added that a petition with 10,000 signatures was circulating that alleged potential privacy breaches by Clubhouse. So let's keep an eye on this one and see what happens. Happens. Speaking of Clubhouse, if you are spending time there despite all the controversies, tune in next Tuesday at 16.30 CET for a conversation with Alice Zagri, the CEO of The Family. The format will be a 45-minute informal chat and you will have time to ask a question or two of your own. Follow our TechU club on Clubhouse and join the conversation every Tuesday at 16.30 CET. That is called the informal uh, TechU podcast hangout and that is hosted by me. However, that's not everything that we are doing on Clubhouse, so if you want to hear more from us earlier than that, uh, you can also tune in on Sunday at 6.30pm uh, CET, and that's going to be a weekly curated Sunday roundup hosted by Robin Wouters, and maybe I will uh, be there as well, I don't really know yet, and we're gonna have a guest, uh, Eric Demuth, the CEO and uh, co-founder of uh, Bitpanda, the startup that I have already mentioned in today's news. 
So tune in for this, tune in on Tuesday if you need more TechU goodness in your lives. Now let us move on through today's agenda. The featured interview that I would like to share today is a conversation with Nicolas Julia, the co-founder and CEO of SoRare. The fantasy football platform based in Paris has recently raised 40 million euros from Benchmark Axel and a few celebrities from the world of business and football. Let's listen in. Hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.U, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as always, uh, by Nicolas Julia. He is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Sorare, or Sorare. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't quite figured that out yet. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for joining, of course. Uh, you've had quite a busy week, because I've been on Clubhouse a couple of times this week, and, and almost every time you were part of one session or the other. Uh, I think you were part of a seat camp session, talk about Sorare, and then another one uh, about French tech. And I, I've sort of uh, done my homework just by listening to the Clubhouse sessions. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm very excited about this uh, this conversation. Yeah, it's a crazy week for us. Uh, we we just announced a 15 million round uh, led by Benchmark uh, with participation of uh, football stars and Axel and Alexio Agnon and, and, and Gary Benarchuk and, and many more. A couple of days after, uh, we announced uh, the launch of a game uh, built by Ubisoft. Uh, leveraging our NFTs, uh, our soccer NFTs. Uh, so, so yeah, there's uh, quite uh, you know a lot of news, and most importantly, the the, the user base growth is is is, uh, is insane uh, the, the the last couple of weeks. So it's uh, intense days for us. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. And a super exciting week for you. But maybe let's rewind a little bit. What is Sorare, and how did it start? What's the the sort of the history of the company? Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I met my co-founder, Adrien, uh, in our previous company uh, called Stratum, a blockchain company in Paris. Uh, and it was uh, early 2018, uh, we, we, we saw this uh, new technology. Uh, so on top of the Ethereum blockchain um, with the NFTs. And so, I mean, the NFT and this technology, what it enables uh, basically is to create unique digital goods. So it's about the digital scarcity. And we we were amazed by that because, um, you know, as human beings, we have been collecting stuff for centuries. In the physical world, that's something that we do uh, for many reasons. And now we can do it on the web. So we were like, okay, that's crazy. What if we bring, that's the second step on top of it, uh, the image of uh, football players so that it's not only a unique digital good, but it's a unique digital good where you have an emotional connection, right? It's branded. Uh, so that was the second step. And then the first step was, okay, that, that's that's cool to have a branded and scarce digital good. It's even better if you can play with it and engage with it in a compelling game. So that's the third pillar of the product, the fantasy game. So maybe to, to explain the game very, very roughly, you buy the card to play the game, you compose your team with the players you own. And then based on the performance of the player on the pitch, you can score points. So it's really a mix between a collectible game and a fantasy game. So it's a, it's a mix of digital collectibles, NFTs, which, by the way, you probably need to explain for the people who don't know uh, yeah. in a bit more detail. Uh, but it's a mix between these digital collectibles and a fantasy football game, if I understand correctly. Totally. It's, it's a fantasy football game where you can play with these NFTs uh, and you can collect them, you can trade them, uh, and you can play with them. So that's that's basically what you can do. And maybe touching a little bit about NFTs, because that's the, the, the thing, everyone's talking about it, and so on. And so what are NFTs? 
So uh, let, let's bring the value proposition for, for the users uh, concretely. The first thing is digital scarcity. You have something that is authenticated, secured by the blockchain. And if I, you know, if we tell it's going to be 100 edition of Lionel Messi or whatever, it cannot be one more. So that's the first big value proposition. You can collect something digital. The second one is what, what we call portability. Uh, you know, today, if you buy something in games, uh, like in a skin on Fortnite or car in FIFA, you are locked in a closed ecosystem. You cannot move it away. Uh, you cannot use it in a different game. You can... So you, you, you don't really own it, right? So uh, with these NFTs, you can move them in different games. So I mentioned the Ubisoft game. So it's, it's a good example of where we want to go. We have our own game, but you can also use these NFTs in other games. So you can pour them. And the third thing is the traceability. We can track each change in ownership uh, in these NFTs. So that, uh, and it's a big value proposition for the IP owners, so the club and the league, uh, because they can they can get royalties based on that because we have this level of traceability. So maybe to sum it up, it's uh, uh, digital scarcity, portability, and traceability. These are the main features of these NFTs. Yeah. And for your company, where does the blockchain part of the equation come in? Is that for the sort of authentication and the portability of the goods is that what you use the blockchain for so it's really for the for the free things uh, the digital scarcity is very valuable for the collectors of course because now they can collect something digital so we have uh, you know a lot of engagement and desire uh, hopefully we're going to create a cult brand around this you know this cars cards uh, so of course it's we, we use it for that uh, of course we use it for the portability too because you can use this nfts uh, in different games different applications you can trade them in our platform but if you want to trade them in you know another marketplace you can move them there too um, so we use it for for the portability and we use it for the trustability too because you know if if we are discussing with a top football league and we we, we can promise them that uh, on the secondary market or second hand market they're going to collect royalties and we're going to be the first uh in the you know in the gaming history to do that because we can do that uh even if the the, the, the item is traded elsewhere. That's that's a huge new stream for them. So yeah. we, we we reuse it for for the free for the free features. Makes sense. Okay. So you come from this blockchain um, startup background. You decide football cards, uh, collectible cards is probably where it's at. Then what next? And and this is maybe going to be a stupid question. Do you need to reach out to the football clubs and maybe even the players in question to get permission for using their their image? Yeah, it's a, it's a big part of our business is uh, striking the, the deals uh, with the sports organization. So sometimes the leagues, sometimes the clubs, depending on uh, on the on the geographies. So we we have these deals in place, and we're going to continue striking these deals uh, with more top leagues uh, in Europe and across the world. It's already 130 uh, you know clubs uh, on the platform, but we're going to keep on developing that. So what's next? We we're gonna we're gonna you know keep on growing the game and uh, trying to build the best fantasy soccer game, establish a you know dominant position here. So we grew really fast the last couple of months. Like last month, it was uh, 11 million dollars uh, in sales just. Um, month of February. So we, we want to keep on pushing and uh, accelerating. 
the second step for us is uh, what I call the platform. Uh, so having dozens of games where you can play with these NFTs. Uh, so Ubisoft showed the way, but there's others that we're gonna we're gonna launch. And maybe a third uh, development that we're gonna make is um, adding a media element in the product. So uh, maybe if you have uh, Kylian Mbappe in your team, he scores a goal. Uh, you see the goal or the assist near real time. So adding more interactivity with uh, this media element. So those are the main things that we, we're going we're to do. We have other ideas too, maybe a bit longer term, like um, using these NFTs as an access to uh, real world experiences. So maybe if you have the NFT, you can have a discount to go to the stadium. You have an access to the player in question to chat with him, meet him. So these are like other, uh, other, other opportunities that we're exploring and acting as a bridge uh, between the digital space and the real world. Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, what about expanding beyond football and maybe tackling other sports or other types of experiences actually? Yeah, of course. We, we have been approached uh, recently by uh, by different sports leagues uh, around the world. And uh, so what we want to do first is really tackling uh, football first and, and, and do, it, do it right because... Uh, it's the biggest sport in the world. We are talking four billion fans, so that's that's huge. And uh, so we, we want really to you know to to, to develop and to consolidate this position here. Uh, and then yes, we have the opportunity to go to other sports and even to other brands uh, because it's maybe not only just about sport. Yeah. And so tell me, when you go to these clubs or the leagues or maybe the players in question. Uh, is it difficult to convince them? Do they typically understand rapidly what you're trying to do and how, how it benefits them? So, you know, the same way that I think we need to develop the value proposition to the users uh, in, in something tangible and concrete, it's the same for the leagues. So, you know, you know, I don't understand the blockchain, maybe, right? <laughs> they don't need to understand how, how it works, like uh, uh, under the hood. I think what's important is three things. The first one, we develop a new revenue stream. So we are not competing with a video game company or, you know, a sticker company. We are doing something new in in, in the fantasy space, leveraging NFTs, uh, and we are, we are sharing the value we create with them and with the players. Uh, so it's a new revenue stream. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we are exposing their brand uh, to new markets uh, in the US, in Asia, where we're developing strongly. Uh, so for European football clubs in particular, that these are new markets that are very interesting, interesting for, the, for them. And the third thing is that we are developing a good product. And I mean, it's important for them. They, they need to secure to protect their, their, their brand. Uh, so they want to make sure that it's um, it's a cool product for the fans and uh, yeah, we, we have very strong retention rates and engagement rates. So they are very confident about our ability to develop something mainstream uh, that, that you know, g- g- going to appeal to dozens of millions of fans. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, let's talk about your funding round. And I'm not talking about the recent one. I'm going to go back to, to the summer last year uh, when you raised a, a seed round. It was a 4 million seed round led by eVentures. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Gerard Piquet also got involved quite early. Um, yeah, for the famous Barcelona uh, player, just for the for those who don't know. So, how did that come about? Like, w- at what point did you start looking for funding, and and was it easy to sort of get there when you were in the early stage of the company still? Yeah, I mean, uh, so hopefully each time it uh, it gets a bit easier <laughs> because uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we we develop, and so I, I started. We can even go, I you know. Uh, the round before to the pre-seed round, it was April 19th. 
uh, you know, we had no product. Uh, it was my first company, NFTs. I think was uh, 1,000 people in the round building stuff, in, maybe just interested about it. It was crypto beer market, like like totally uh, to, total winter. And so this one was uh, hard. Uh, hopefully we 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 got the support from Sitcamp and Kima Ventures in Paris and Thomas France, a couple of you know strong angels, and uh, so that was half a million. With that, we developed the the early prototype. Uh, the, the initial team, five people, uh, and then we we open it uh, we open it the beta uh, early to, uh, 2020, and uh, so the first month it was you know 30,000, and we, we had strong strong tra- traction almost from from day one. Uh, so we closed this uh, seed round led by Eventures um, uh, in. Uh, uh, in Germany, with participation of Partech and existing investors, uh, so we announced it in July. Yeah, it was a bit tricky because uh, lockdown in between, no football games. So yeah. at some point, we <laughs> yeah we were afraid that maybe there's no round anymore. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it, it 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 was it was easier than the, the you know the round before, but it was kind of fun, I would say. And the traction kept on you know like uh, growing like uh, very very strongly, and we. Have been profitable from day one, so uh, we did this extension of the round as you mentioned with Gerard Piquet and Cassius family uh, in the US. So it was uh, an additional three million, uh, and so with that, because the profitability we ended up the year at ten million uh, in, in in the bank. So we were not in need to raise, but the world kind of get out uh, about you know the traction we had, the retention, engagement, and so on. Uh, so we had several time sheets uh, at the end of the year, even if we were not really engaging in the process. And it was it went very fast with benchmark. So I, I met Peter Fenton on Wednesday. First day, I went. To, I met the partnership, and during the night between Thursday and Friday, we got the time sheet for the 50 million round. So it was kind of crazy, crazy, crazy times. Yeah. Like uh, this week was just crazy, and so uh, and so yeah. Axel, so Axel jumped on board too uh, with Andre, uh, and uh, and so yeah, it's. Um, it's an amazing round for us because we have uh, very strong people, uh, of course, like like Peter and Andre, but we also have uh, very strong angels uh, from the gaming space, from the football space, uh, from the consumer space. You know, top people from Snap, Airbnb, football players, and so on. So, um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a very solid syndicate, uh, and with that, hopefully, we're gonna uh, okay. you know we're gonna start developing the business. If you're not going to name drop the angel investors, I will. Uh, so you have the Reddit co-founder, Alexis Ohanian. Yeah. Uh, Gary V, Vaynerchuk, of course. Yeah. Uh, Rio Ferdinand, Antoine Griezmann. Uh, so those are the pretty, pretty big celebrities in, the, in their own uh, industries, I would say, and even, even beyond that. Uh, yeah. Um, but how, how does that typically work? Is it because top-tier investment firms like Benchmark and Excel get involved and somehow you know, they have the network to sort of get to those kind of people? Or did you have those relations before? Or did they seek you out? Like, tell me, how, how does something like that happen? Yeah, so these are uh, almost all uh, very different and individual stories. Uh, you know, Antoine Griezmann, uh, his brother started playing the game a couple of weeks before we, I mean, yeah, I think it was two weeks before closing the round. Uh, so Theo Griezmann sent me a message on Twitter, I love this game, I, like I was trying to interact and, and to chat. 
Uh, and so that's how Antoine uh, ended up. So even if he's a, a teammate of, uh, of uh, Gérard Piquet, who was already an investor, he came uh, through his brother. So uh, okay. that's uh, who was playing the game. So uh, that, that, that's for Antoine. Uh, and uh, uh, for, you know, Oliver Bierhoff, uh, it was through, um, you know, like uh, the, an existing investor, uh, Christian Miller from uh, Eventures. Um, Alexis Oignan and, uh, and Gary V, they, they came from uh, Cassius family. Uh, who was uh, already part of the cap table. And then Benchmark, they brought amazing people from uh, Airbnb, Snap. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone like uh, did their best to, to bring the most relevant people to help us uh, to build the product, the community, uh, help us with the licensing deals with the league. So we yeah. know we have all this uh, syndicate. So the stars have aligned for you. Um, uh, how many people do you have in the team right now, by the way? So it's, it's still a small team. Uh, it's uh, 12 people at the moment. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's very insane. Lean. Yeah, it's very lean. It's, uh, is that intentional doing... or is it just because you know, you're trying uh, to hire the best people? So yeah, I wouldn't say it's intentional. I want to... It's just that we have the bar in terms of hiring at a certain level. And uh, of course, we need to hire. We, we're going to triple the team size, you know, in the coming months. But it's either you you meet the bar or not. And so it's uh, that that that's the way we we handle things. Uh, and so hopefully, we have very strong people in the team. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know I know it's not 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 so common to do like uh, you know more than ten million in in sales uh, mostly and with a twelve people team. So, uh, but we, we're going to build it and, and scale it. Yeah. And actually, that's a, that's a, that brings me to my next question. If you're going to hire a talent in the world that we live in today, because of the pandemic, you can basically hire from anywhere. Is your yeah. goal to hire remotely from you know the best people anywhere in the world, or do you still want to have some base here in, in in Paris or in Europe in general? Yeah, so you know, we we don't do things by the books in general. So uh, and so regarding remotes, uh, we are not remote at the moment. So it's uh, everyone is in Paris. Uh, it has been a strong edge uh, for us uh, to move. You know, at, at the pace we have been moving so so far, we are building a new product and a new market. Uh, and so it requires a lot of coordination uh, to, to kickstart uh, the network effect uh, on what we are doing. So, so at least for this year, we're going we're gonna to stay mainly remote, even if, we, of course, we have some flexibility, but it's mostly, I mean, there's a Paris-based position uh, and uh, it's going to remain like this for the year. Uh, and then, we, we, of course, we're going we, to gonna revisit this uh, probably at the end of this year and the next year. Yeah, a bit of a broad question on NFTs uh, because they're getting a lot of attention in the last few months. Uh, you know, crazy amounts being spent on, on digital art, uh, for example. Um, do you think that momentum is going to stay? And I'm not talking about you as a company because I'm, I'm sure you'll do fine uh, because yeah. you have lots of exciting plans beyond that. But like the, the whole NFT craziness that we have now, is that something that's going to stay? So I think that uh, when, when a new technology appears, there is hype, there is speculation, and, and it, it's, it has always been the case in the tech uh, industry, and it's really always been the case. Been the case I think. So uh, I, th I think that's, you know, that's, that's how you, you grab attention from the media, from the talents, from the investors, and I mean, that's how it is. Uh, and 95% maybe of the projects will die. Uh, and uh, a couple of them will shine, and uh, it has. So if we, if you take the subset of the crypto industry, 
you know, if you look at cryptocurrencies, it has been the case. If you look at ICOs, it has been the case. And probably it's going to be same for NFTs. So I think you should just look at fundamentals regarding NFTs. I mean, is this project going to last for decades? Uh, what's the intrinsic value uh, of it? Uh, and and, uh, and what's the team behind it? And, you know, like this kind of, you know, fundamental question that I think you, 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 we should ask for like all, all the projects and, uh, um, and, um, and, uh, and just, ju yeah, just to try to see which one are gonna, are gonna stick around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're right. It is still very early stage. Uh, does that mean you also don't have a lot of competition, or at least not yet? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we're going to have uh, hopefully a lot of competition because, I mean, there was, there's no market. So um, we have been building in the space for two years. So we uh, and we have been, but we now have this dozens of contracts with the football league. So we have some barriers uh, on the market. Probably we're going to have, you know, like um, competition. Uh, and, uh, and I mean, yeah, that, 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 that's, uh, that's how it is. I think what's important for us as a company is so to remain focused on, uh, you know, what's the long-term vision to move fast uh, and to just to listen to the community and, and, to, and to try to bring delight to, to these football fans. Great. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. Final question. Give me a fun story or a fun anecdote uh, from something like, like you were just saying, like Peter Fenton closing <laughs> around in two days. Give me something else that you haven't talked about before. Uh, let me have a think. Uh, so yeah, I was just mentioning this licensing deals uh, a couple of seconds ago. Uh, so the first one, I had no no contacts in the in the football industry, so you know they have been very conservative, like uh, EA and Panini, two partners for fifty years. <laughs> it was very hard the first one, so uh, I reached out on LinkedIn to uh, an intern uh, at the Belgian League. I was like, okay, I need to talk to you. Uh, I have a project, blah blah blah, and uh, he gave me the contact uh, for like the legal person uh, at the at the Belgian League. So I had like this fifteen minute meeting. I, you know, like it was. Uh, Zoom call. I, I took the train and I went to the to Brussels uh, and uh, I showed up at the office and the guy was like, "What are you doing here?" And I said, no, I, I want to show. I, I want to show you something. I had no product back in the back in the <laughs> days. It was a PowerPoint, you know. But I wanted to show him the PowerPoint and to have this in-person thing. Uh, and so he was he was amazed by that and he, he thought I was a Belgian guy, you know. Like, well, where do you live in Brussels? And no, no, I come from France just to meet you, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and, and so I ended up convincing him. And then a couple of weeks after, I mean, the story is not, it's not done. Uh, he told me, yes, you need to talk to the CEO to, to close this. Yes. Okay, uh, next week we, we will be in Madrid for the World Football Summit. I guess you are there. Of course, I was even not aware there was a World Football <laughs> Summit in Madrid. So I took, a, this time it was a plane ticket. Uh, and I went there. I, I had no meeting booked with the CEO, but I managed to get in front of him uh, at some point, uh, 10 minute conversation and done deal. And that was the beginning of the story with the leagues. And then uh, it was a bit nice. easier. And is that, yeah, so. God, I'm so yeah. happy I asked that question. That's a phenomenal story. And I love that my hometown, <laughs> Brussels, plays a role in your uh, yeah. history. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, the game with Ubisoft, again, is pioneered by the Belgian League. So uh, they are really yeah. at the forefront. They, they, you know, they, they, they love innovation. They are really forward-thinking people. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, I, love, I love these guys. <laughs> Good to hear. Well, your story is just beginning, so we're going to keep an eye on what, uh, what comes next. Uh, but it sounds like you have 
um, sort of hashed out the plans that you you need to do sort of to to keep the lead in this market. So um, all the best to you. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, spend the money wisely. Thank you. Yeah, we will do it for sure. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done awesomely by SoundPulse. That is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again next week. For now, take care and enjoy the weekend. Bye-bye.